Welcome to the final episode of the first season of the Self-Obsessed podcast. Now I will be returning for season two of Self-Obsessed in March and I'll be returning with special guests and so much more amazing content. But in the meantime, we have to finish season one with a bang. So this is going to be a dedicated special episode on entering our self-obsession era because I want you girls to have made major progress when I see you back here for a new season in two months. So in this episode, we're going to be firstly discussing putting ourselves on the pedestal, removing the values of other people's opinions, and to just stop obsessing over everybody else because that is the foundation to becoming self-obsessed. After that, we're going to be discussing self-love, self-confidence, self-care, mindset, abundance, manifestation, femininity. And in the last portion of this episode, we're gonna talk a lot about self-growth, lifestyle, lessons, how we can take advantage of our adversities and mindset shifts we can use to grant more peace in our lives and become more grateful so that we can become better versions of ourselves. Just a quick note, if you're wondering how you're gonna be getting your self-obsessed fix in my podcast break before I return with season two in March, don't worry because I will be uploading all of my YouTube self-help content as audio podcast episodes on here so you will still be getting content to listen to every single Wednesday, but you can also check me out on Instagram and TikTok for more bite-sized self-development content along with both of my YouTube channels. Now, let's begin with the most important step to entering our self-obsessed era, which is to stop obsessing over everybody else. I see so much content nowadays about how do I manifest my specific person? How do I stop having a crush on somebody? How do I stop obsessing over that boy? First, you need to understand why you're obsessing over these people. You obsess because of what you think you will get by being associated with them or by gaining their acceptance. For example, a boy liking you back then apparently means that you're attractive and desirable because you're good enough to be liked by him. You obsess over the popular group of girls because acceptance from them would give you confidence, right? So really, you're not obsessed with these people, you're obsessed with the qualities that they represent because it reminds you of what you lack. AKA, you don't want to be with them, you want to be them. And guess what? You can actually use that to your advantage on your self-obsession journey. I talk about this in terms of jealousy too. Basically, instead of comparing yourself to others, you need to use them as inspiration because your brain signals to you all of that desire for a reason. It's like this clue on the path that you're supposed to go on in life. You're supposed to go out and get that, which is why it's calling out to you for a reason. So if you're obsessing over how stylish someone is, you don't want to be accepted by them or befriended by them. You need to adopt that quality because you find it desirable for a reason. It aligns with a future version of you that already has it, which is why it's triggering you right now as you lack it. It's also really good at un for you to understand yourself and use it as a tool for self-improvement. Like I look at life as my own personal Pinterest board. I go out onto the street and when I was younger, you know, if I ever felt threatened by somebody else or jealous or I felt inferior standing next to someone, that translated into a lot of bitterness and resentment. But now when it happens, I'm like, oh, 
that is inspo for how I wanna level up into the next version of myself. If you're obsessed with a successful person, maybe on social media and how perfect their life seems, it represents the work you need to do on your own routines. If you're obsessing over manifesting a guy, you need to build yourself up to embody his confidence and magnetism and anything else you desire about him to the point where he wouldn't even deserve you. Because here's the thing, desiring friendships and relationships is normal but obsessing over them is not. That is self-sabotage. So when you obsess over particular people from now, you are gonna use that to build yourself up to be the kind of person who is so abundant and so secure that they would never see anyone else as better than them or worthy of obsessing over. This then links into detachment, which we have discussed a lot this season because it's such a core element to becoming self-obsessed. And that's because when you master detachment, you realize a few things. One, no one belongs to you. Two, uncertainty is a part of life. Three, releasing the need to control is the key to peace. Four, you need to accept everything that happens in your life, good or bad, because it's always working in your favor regardless. And lastly, we always should prioritize our actions over our reactions, because why would we ever let ourselves suffer over other people's behavior? Why would we give away our power, our peace, our vibrational energy by resorting ourselves to anger and resentment and shame and jealousy? No. If someone is mistreating you, instead of focusing on how we fight back, how we get them back, how sad they've made us, we are detached enough to know we are simply going to shift our actions to respond to this situation in the way in which we deserve e.g cutting people off distancing yourself from disrespect setting boundaries realizing that okay now i need to increase my standards not begging for people back not waiting for explanations and closure on why you mistreated me because it's none of your business people are fully in their right to come and go i'm not saying that you deserve that I'm saying people are going to do what they want to do regardless. The only thing you have control over is whether you choose to stay or leave, whether or whether or not you tolerate it. You can't control if you start, if you get into a relationship, you can't predict whether you're going to get screwed over or not because life is uncertain. We never know how things are gonna end. But if that then came about, your only power is your confidence, security, and self-love within yourself to know I have the power to walk away and I will be okay regardless because I am not focused on loss. I am not focused on my heavy attachment to this person that I have already planned out our entire lives together and I've already inserted them into my future before they've even deserved their place there yet. So to sum up some of the key lessons we've learned in detachment over this season, a few ways to practice detachment in your daily life is firstly to stop thinking that people owe you something. You are not entitled to explanations because it is people's birthright to do what is right for them in their life, regardless of whether it hurts you or not. And when you realize this, you'll remember that the only thing you're entitled to is yourself. And that grants you so much peace. You realize that you are the only person that you are in control of. And then after that, you need to open yourself up to the process of loss, which is a completely normal part of life. It is so detrimental to tell yourself you will only be okay if a person does something, says something, or stays for a certain period of time. You are setting all of these conditions in your life based on external factors of other people that you have no control over. They might change and grow into the next version of themselves at any given moment. How are you ever going to know that? 
How are you ever gonna predict how long they stay? It doesn't matter. So presence is a huge part of detachment and presence has been written about and spoken about for so long as being a key pillar to happiness. And so we have to incorporate it into our detachment practices as well that we should enjoy people for the time that they are in our lives and we love them with our whole hearts and we fully experience them and immerse ourselves in them, but not to the point where we lose ourselves when they leave because we have strong enough relationships with ourselves that we are gonna carry ourselves through it regardless. You need to remember that loss is always leading you to the next opportunity while also allowing you the gift of growth. And lastly, remember that detachment isn't about a lack of emotion. It's not about not caring about people. Instead, it's about taking care of your peace first, seeing others for who they are, and letting themselves control their own lives without you having to interfere to craft your own ideal outcome, to manipulate them into staying, to proving your worth. The only outcome you can control is what type of person you become in this life, the choices you make and where you go, not how other people treat you or how they act or how long they stay. And then I want to talk a little bit about detachment in relation to your haters, because when I talk about obsessing over other people, it's not always about the people you want to be friends with or the people you want to date. Many people obsess over their haters. You are so obsessed with what other people think of you. And once again, that is so dangerous because once you reach your self-obsession era, you realize that your opinion of yourself is the only one that's valid. And so I want you to realize that if you have, I don't know, people in your workplace, in your school, general people, your followers online that try to bring you down, insult you, criticize you, or you know people in real life who have this tendency to try and put themselves on a pedestal, to make themselves appear like they're above everybody else. And obviously that's annoying. Obviously that's triggering. In that situation, you have to let them stay on the pedestal for their own sake because I promise you they clearly need it. Like you need to laugh to yourself because as confident girlies full of self-love, we know we put ourselves on a pedestal in a way of self-belief. We do it so we don't fall victim to prioritizing other people's opinions over our own when it comes to our life. These haters and these miserable people that wanna bring you down at no cost and make themselves feel better because of their overinflated ego put themselves on pedestals to make themselves feel like they're above others, which screams insecurity. It's the only way they're ever gonna feel comfortable about themselves. Sometimes you gotta let people sit on these little invisible fake pedestals, okay? You don't need to try and bring them down. You don't even need to defend yourself. When I talk about self-obsession, like I'm so obsessed with myself that I'm not gonna step down from my throne to address your low vibrational behavior of you hating on me and trying to bring me down, like ill. I've got other things to focus on. I've got my growth, my amazing friends, my life to focus on, who I wanna become. You think I'm gonna take the time out of my day and my precious energy to address your loser behavior? Like, no. Another key part to focusing on yourself and to stop obsessing over everybody else is to replace FOMO, the fear of missing out, with JOMO, the joy of missing out. The joy of missing out is the complete opposite, essentially, if you've never, never heard of it. It's when you know you're sat at home and everybody might be at a party, might be enjoying themselves, making new friends, and you are completely content with where you are. You are never comparing yourself to where somebody else is. You are never wishing where other people are because you know 
at all points in time throughout your life, you are always where you are meant to be. And I think mastering this mindset massively links into your locus of control. So we all have either an internal locus of control or an external locus of control. An internal locus of control means that you believe you have full control over your life, what you decide to do. You don't really believe in luck because you know you create your own luck. You create your opportunities. Whatever you want in life, you are going to go out and get it for yourself. People who have external locuses of control believe in things like evil eye or people bringing them down and that's why they didn't get the opportunity or the fact that you can be born unlucky in life and that life is unfair and they are constantly just judged and left out and therefore they'll never be where they want to be in life or they don't have things like pretty privilege so they're never going to get ahead and they bring up all these excuses down to the clothes they might wear or the appearance they might have as to why they're not where they want to be. People with an internal locus of control, they don't give an F. They do not give an F. They might not look like everybody else. They might be of an ethnicity that's not necessarily accepted in the place that they live in but they don't care they're like I am going to make it work regardless because that is what I deserve because they are so obsessed with themselves that everybody else naturally adopts that exact same opinion of them I know people that might be traveling or at an event or partying and I will be at home watching friends eating dinner and then going to bed at 9 p.m and guess what I love it I effing love it That is exactly where I, I want to be. And that's all that matters. They want to be there, that's cool. And I grew up as a teenager having FOMO every single weekend because all of the popular kids used to go to all these house parties and I was never invited. And I had to watch all these Instagram stories of people living like the typical movie teenager popular life. And I thought I wasn't in the right place and I wasn't doing school correctly. I never think that now because I realized you have to stop confusing other people's timelines with your own. FOMO isn't even real. Like who told you that they were doing life better than you? How does that make any sense? No one has the key to life. Everyone's figuring it out as they go along with the resources they have at that time. And you assume that other people constantly have it better than you and that is what is resulting in your FOMO. If you just developed this fearless trust within your own life and your own opportunities and you were patient with the blessings you were given, you would never experience anything like FOMO. Because I have people that work in my industry who are miles ahead of me and they might have started after me. Doesn't matter, does not affect me. I'm like, that. those are the blessings they deserve. I want them to have it right? Doesn't mean I'm not going to get it. It means that I have a different path to get there if I have that exact same goal. And that's fine because the universe gave me this specific path because it's completely tailored to me and who I am as an individual, my journey so far, the lessons that I need in order to grow to my full potential. That is completely unique to me. So other people are going to have completely different life experiences than you and they should because they're not going to grow in the exact same way as you. You need to be so self-obsessed with the way that you are going to grow that you accept every life experience you are given, every lesson, every adversity because it's getting you to the place that you always prayed for. AKA, I'm never scared of missing out because I don't want your life, I want mine. Another element to stop obsessing over other people is people pleasing and the dangers that come with that now first let's understand why we are people pleasers 
People pleasing is the result of being punished for being yourself. This might have been taught to you as a child. This might have resulted from some trauma you experienced as a teen or growing up. You have been conditioned into thinking you have to abandon your authenticity, your boundaries, your opinions, and your feelings to please other people so that you will be more accepted and make other people feel comfortable in your presence. Now listen to me. You do not exist for the comfort of others. You exist to please yourself, to reach your potential, to find out what makes you happy, to experience life on whatever terms you prefer. You need to start giving yourself permission to let other people down. That is a normal part of life It does not define you or your character or how much of a good person you are because the only happiness you ever need to worry about is your own. You have to remember every time you are about to ignore your true feelings to please someone else, you are not just abandoning yourself but also your inner child who needs the present you to teach her that it's okay to make the first decision that pops into your mind. It is acceptable to live in your authenticity and value your decision making rather than assuming other people's way of living is more valid and then adhering to that. And then lastly, for this section of the episode, I have to discuss standards, obviously. First and foremost, I'm so sick of this notion of realistic standards that I see talked about online all of the effing time. Listen, whatever is delusional to you is realistic to me. I promise. Okay, I promise. And these people talking about, but this isn't realistic and this isn't. No, 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 no. You think that it's realistic is actually pessimistic for you to set these limits on what is possible in your life because I promise you there are other people who don't concern themselves with realism and they surpass all of your little realistic standards. They go past that and they get more and more and more and more. Stop setting limits on yourself. Now that we've understood that, you need to be crafting a mental or even a physical list of the standards that you have for every relationship in your life, whether it be romantic, friendship or family. And I think a lot of people float through life without even thinking about that. And that's fine, but I am going to say that it completely refrains you from reaching your self-obsessed era because you are allowing people into your life to treat you exactly how they please and you are just allowing them to exist there and you just tolerate all of their behavior even though it might be damaging you, draining you, lowering your vibration and making you stay in spaces where you are not appreciated and therefore you cannot progress to the next level of your life because the people that you surround yourself massively influence you, who you become and where you go. I have dedicated videos on my YouTube channel of friendship standards and romantic relationship standards. So I'm not gonna waste time on that right now, but I do wanna talk a little bit about family and how this influenced me in my self-obsession journey. With family, you are kind of taught and conditioned at an early age to just accept what you've been given because family is family and that's it, right? This is like this excuse that's on top of any mistreatment that you may gain. And I say a big F that. I recently have gotten to a place where I do not fear cutting off family members. I don't. Because you are not family if you are mistreating me, if you are speaking behind my back, if you are disrespecting me. You are not representing any of the actual values and love of what family means. So why should you be treated like that? Why should you still be allowed to have access to me and my life over a mere title of family when you can't even act like that or show a little bit of respect? If you can't even do the bare minimum of what it takes to be family, then you don't 
get to be considered that. I think a lot of the times we get scared to set our standards because we don't want to be alone. We don't want to scare people away. But what we forget is that when you reject people and push the people away that don't fully accept you and don't fully love you, you are signaling to the universe, I am so abundant in myself. I have all of the love I need all right in here, in my heart. I don't need to accept this mediocre bare minimum treatment. I know that I am going to attract the people that just love me and treat me as I deserve. And until then, and no, for the rest of my life, I'm going to treat myself as I deserve. Because truly, nothing holds you back on your self-obsessed journey more than keeping people in your life who were supposed to unconditionally love and accept you, such as your family members, but instead tear you down? How are you ever, especially when you're young, going to adopt a better self-image of yourself when the people you surround yourself with try to convince you that you're not good enough? When the people you surround yourself do nothing but project all of their insecurities onto you and try to convince you that your self-worth is low? How would you ever believe that about yourself? Sometimes loneliness is the better option because then you get to define what you're worthy of. Okay, now let's talk all about self-love, self-confidence and just owning it, right? Like really building up the foundations of who you know yourself to be, what your character is, what you're worthy of. First off, let's talk about being high maintenance. Please, let's remove all of the negative connotations around this term because I love being a high maintenance girly. You know why? Because it scares off the leeches. It shows that all of these low effort people can't take advantage of you. So they don't bother wasting their time in the first place. Being high maintenance is your own protection bubble. Being high maintenance is something to be so proud of when you're in your self-obsessed era, because of course I'm gonna put effort into my parents. Like, duh, like I, I deserve the best. I deserve to take my time and put all of my energy into myself because I myself am an investment. If I put all of that effort into myself in the morning, such as putting a cute outfit on, which most of the population don't even bother to do. They're mostly concerned with convenience, rushing around in the morning to make it on time to their job or their school that they don't even enjoy doing, and therefore sacrificing the self-care they could have done in the morning. If you just prioritize that self-care, you then completely shift how you act and how you feel for the rest of the day. It is pure magic because think about how much you strut out into the world when you're feeling yourself in your outfit on those occasional days that you dress up, right? Insane. Your energy is next level. You're getting compliments from strangers left, right and center. Why? Because your energy is so high. You are so magnetic because you feel so confident in yourself. So imagine you showed up to life every single day like that. As a result, you would completely shift the narrative of every single life experience you have on a daily basis. Therefore, becoming a happier person and being able to show up as the best version of yourself into every single area of your life just by being a little bit high maintenance. And now this links into being selfish. Being selfish has been sold to us as this bad trait, but really it's a way of survival. You have to be about yourself first. Think about it. When you're on a plane, you have to put your own life vest on first before you help anybody else's with theirs. And the same goes with your daily life. You need to show up with that same mindset. And let's please change our perception of what it means to be selfish because it's not about neglecting other people and not being a good friend or partner. 
It's about recognizing I need to make sure I'm fulfilled. I need to make sure I've taken the time to do my morning routine so my mental health is better for the day. And then so my cup is full and then I will have enough abundance in my energy levels in my day to give on to everybody else. If you don't do that and if you accept other people's definition of being selfish and therefore you reject that way of living and instead your number one priority becomes pleasing other people, showing up for them, doing favors left, right and center, you are just a people pleaser. That's it. And we're sold this idea because it benefits everybody else. Nobody wants you to be independent and confident and high maintenance because it puts them at a disadvantage because then they can't take advantage of you. The next step to self-love is taking responsibility for your mindset. And this links into manifesting. The number one easiest way to manifest is just by recognizing the power of your thoughts. Every single reaction you have in your head to things that happen in your day is you manifesting. So if you see something in the store that you want to get and your automatic assumption is, no, I'll never be able to afford that. That's a stupid purchase. Um, People like me shouldn't wear that. You are pushing away all of your financial abundance. I'm not saying you have to buy it. I'm just saying you have to look at it differently. You should instead look at that piece in the store and think, how can I afford this? Oh, it's cool. You know, I'm doing my business. I'm setting on my side hustle. Within a few weeks, within a few months, I'll be able to come back here and buy everything I want. Guys, I do that on a daily basis. I went to Selfridges the other day and I was looking, I think it was a Dior clothing rack and every little t-shirt was like two, 300 pounds. And I was like, said to my friend, I was like, it's fine. I'm literally gonna come here in a few years. We'll shop together. And this will be like pennies to us. And we actively affirm that all the time because why would you want to think any different? You are sabotaging yourself when you don't take control over your thoughts. You kind of need to twist them in a way that you can take advantage of them so then your life manifests as something that you've always wanted it to be. So you need to stop using your adversities and your bad moments to define your life. Your past has got nothing to do with you. All you need to concern yourself with is right now, the moment that you're in, the next 12 hours that you're gonna be awake and how you can show up how you can identify with the highest version of yourself and adopt their mindset so that you can get to the desired version of yourself much faster because you're already aligning with their thoughts. Because think about it. If you imagine this perfect version of yourself that you wanna be when you're an adult in your head right now, how are you ever gonna get there if you don't start adopting their mindset today? They are only perfect and they only have all of these amazing qualities that you imagine today because you, present you change something in your reality to be able to get there you see it so now i need you to start recognizing all of the power and all of the control you hold within your own life today to be able to get there that's an example of an abundance mindset which i think links massively into femininity and with femininity i want to remind you guys to stop accepting other people's definition of what you need to do to be an acceptable woman There is so much discourse on the internet right now about feminine energy, masculine energy, and hey, I am all for it. I'm all for self-education and discovering new ways to improve ourselves. But what I absolutely hate is when men especially come online and say, for a woman to be in her feminine energy, he then presents a very rigid set of rules or otherwise you are in your masculine energy and automatically unattractive to any man and you are going to be single and you are going to be miserable. No, please. Okay. There are so many different practices that you can incorporate into your life to embody more feminine energy. And let's not forget what the goal of embodying more feminine energy is. It's to be relaxed. It's to receive. It's to stop stressing yourself out 
right? So why are we now stressing ourselves out, consuming all of this content, trying to be the perfect feminine woman? It's BS. You choose what feminine energy practices you want to adopt in what way works for you, for your personal life. And that is you being self-obsessed. You are not accepting other people's definition of how you should run your own life. You are going to recognize this is how I want to be. And so I'm going to adopt maybe a few of these things. I'm going to reject the others so that I can live a happier life. Feminine energy is not about asking men or watching their advice videos on how we need to change ourselves to be more feminine, to be more desirable and magnetic to the man. Ew, no. Feminine energy is recognizing all of the power and beauty you already hold without their validation. So now we're gonna change our idea of feminine energy to what suits us. So I'll give myself as an example. I love working. I love being a girl boss. Okay, I love being a business owner. I love trying to increase my financial abundance. And you know what I have to do every single day to get that? I have to be strategic. I always have to be on the go. I'm currently in the process of hiring a team. And those are all very masculine traits. And I have to be in my masculine energy a lot to live my desired lifestyle. And I'm okay with that. And I, I personally do self-care Sundays. That is my day where I'm completely in my feminine energy. I buy myself flowers. I relax. I do my cooking. I might make a painting. I completely allow myself to receive. I do absolutely zero work. I go on a walk. Every other day of the week, I'm being a boss girl. I am doing all of my work. I'm strategizing. I am in hustle mode. And every other evening, I'll make time to just relax. I'll see my boyfriend when I'm with him. I completely switch my brain off and he's just taking the lead. And that's what I like. That routine suits my life and allows me to incorporate some of those elements while still staying true to my goals. The next step to self-love is certainty in who you are. I need you to love yourself so much from an understanding point of view. Like you completely know who you are, what personality traits make you up, how you've been influenced from your life journey so far, what traits you have, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And you understand yourself and your character so much that you would laugh at anyone else's opinion of you because of course they're automatically invalid. You are so sure of your character and your intentions that you would never take somebody else's validation or lack thereof as truth. Because how would they ever have all of the facts? No one will. And I promise you, when you take some time to do some self-reflection, to take yourself on dates, to spend time with yourself, to journal, to just reflect on, you know, what thoughts you had that day, um, how your week has influenced you, maybe any adversities or hurdles you came across and how you grew from them. In that reflection, you learn so much about who you are as a person, what your strengths are, where you can improve, um, what there is to love about you, what your mindset is and how it's changing and evolving and how beautiful of a journey that is. Everybody else's opinion is just like background noise. But when you don't take the time to get to know yourself and have this strong set of beliefs about who you are, you will accept everybody else's opinions of you as truth. This links on to my next point, which is to stop giving weight to other people's opinions, not just insults, but compliments. I don't pay attention to the compliments I get to the point where it grows my ego. I don't let it get to my head. I appreciate it. I say thank you. I recognize that I deserve the praise. Of course I do. But I don't allow it to define me. So if somebody says that, you know, you do so good on your YouTube videos, thank you, it's appreciated. But I don't let that make my mind up as to how good my YouTube videos are. I decide that, right? Because if 
I allow my ego to grow by somebody else's praise of me, then the more it's easier for my ego to be shattered by somebody else's criticism. And this is why self-talk is so important and so is your relationship to yourself. You need to be the one who is complimenting you. You can't allow other people's opinions to make up your mind about yourself because then anybody can chuck the most negative opinion at you and you will take it as truth because you are so used to listening to what other people say, asking for their opinions. It is a one-way road to self-destruction. And finally, for self-love and confidence, I think the most important principle for this, which is hardly ever talked about, is loving the ugly parts of yourself. I talk about being selfish and being overconfident and even being full of yourself a lot. I love that. But I will never condone thinking that you're better than others. I'm always about, be about yourself, be obsessed with yourself, sure. But I'm never gonna say use your best traits to overinflate your ego because that's not healthy for anyone. Self-obsession is also about learning how to be obsessed with the parts that you know you need to work on, right? The, The weaknesses that you know you have, or the parts that people may have made fun of in the past, the parts that you struggle to accept, the insecurities you have. And the way that you do this is by shifting your perception. So for example, I've really struggled with my nose my whole life. I was bullied for it when I was like 10, 11 years old. And at that age, I decided I wanted a nose job. That continued all throughout um, high school. I went to my family. I told them at 15 years old, I wanted a nose job. And I felt that way continuously. Thank God it didn't happen because by the time I got to 18 and 19 and I grew into my nose a little bit more, I started accepting it. And I'm not gonna lie, there are still pictures that are taken of me where the lighting is really bad and my nose looks like way too big for my face, but I've just changed my perception of it and I've trained myself to say, hey, that suits me, that's my nose. And I get to decide whether or whether or not it's beautiful. The way I did that, especially with other insecurities I had with my parents was by changing my consumption. So I was reading books and poetry on what it means to have an ethnic nose and the beauty and the power in that, which completely changed my thoughts on it instead of just accepting what some insecure bullies were saying about my nose. I also started watching more TV shows and following social media influencers and YouTubers who were people of color and also had ethnic features. The more that I was showing myself those types of faces, the more I could reject this standard of beauty that looked nothing like me. Another way that I really fought my insecurities and tried to just accept those parts of myself that I struggled with or people made fun of was one, I would do a lot of personality tests just to help with understanding myself. Like you can do free online tests to get this full personality report. And sometimes it just shows you things that you weren't fully conscious about and put some more positive light on them. And on top of that, I would actually research what I thought were my biggest weaknesses. So for example, a lot of people in my life have always told me that I'm a very sensitive person and they've said it in a very bad way. And I've gone about my life for many years thinking that it's a very bad trait to have. It makes me a weak person. I used to look up quotes on sensitivity online. I used to watch videos about it and I've read books on it. And now I've realized that was actually my biggest strength. How beautiful is it to feel on such a large scale. I love that about myself now. And this is what I mean. Self-obsession is taking all of those little parts that people might try to make you believe are ugly or that you might believe yourself and you have to change your perception of it. And that links into the very last section of this episode, which is all about self-growth, lessons and mindset shifts. I wanna talk about adversity first and foremost. 
people who complain about bad stuff happening to them oh my god you are so obsessed with other people once again because why do you feel so entitled to have things go your way 100% of the time and I get it because I grew up with this victim mindset because I constantly assumed everyone around me had it easier and was luckier than me but now I've completely reframed my response to my adversities to what is this trying to teach me how can I grow from this why did I need this lesson you know why was it given to me all of these questions work because life is always working out in your favor I've learned sometimes we are given the same lesson repeatedly in the form of different people and environments until we learn the lesson so that we can finally grow into the next version of ourselves. And that is why sometimes you will find yourself in a situation where you're like, hold up, why have I been in five situationships in a row with the same type of guy, even though they were all different people, but they all had the exact same qualities. That is the universe giving you the same experience until you are so sick of it, until the lesson becomes so clear to you that you would never go down that path again. And what an amazing favor that is. Every door that's closed on me has opened a better one. Every heartbreak and rejection has pushed me to heal and develop a deeper and deeper connection with myself. Every time which once again has made me into the woman I am today. People ask me why I know so much in terms of life lessons in my early 20s. And it's because yes, I've had adversities, but I've also learned earlier on to see if I could take advantage of them. 99% of people use their adversities as an excuse to stay stagnant. The self-obsessed use it as an excuse to become better. The next step to self-growth is through our intentions with our daily lifestyle and with this comes trying new things. The number one killer of self-growth is comfort. I prioritize discomfort in my life so much because it's such a key pillar to developing like next level unmatched confidence, growth and mental strength. And with this comes discipline too. Like the more that you think okay, I've woken up, it's so cold outside, I'm so tired, I don't wanna go to the gym, but I'm gonna do it, which in itself is an uncomfortable task. And then you complete it, you have so much mental strength and discipline for the next time you have to do that or anything remotely close that makes you uncomfortable because you are training your brain to build up this tolerance for discomfort, meaning if you need to get it done, you're gonna do it regardless of how you feel in the moment. And this mindset has influenced me so much on my journey to becoming self-obsessed because I kind of have this view of life now where I'm like, okay, but if I go out today, like if I do my work in a cafe, what if I meet someone? If I'm invited to this event and I can't be bothered to go or it's too far or my introverted tendencies are like holding me back, okay, but if I go, what if I learn something new? What if it teaches me a new life lesson? What if it grants me another opportunity? I just look at life now that it just offers so much opportunity all of the time and the only way to chase those is by trying new things by getting uncomfortable by stepping outside of your comfort zone and it goes back to responsibility you have to make sure that you're putting yourself in the right environments so that you can grow because that's such a key pillar to becoming self-obsessed if you stay at home all day doing the same things being around the same group of friends studying the same things, watching the same TV shows, not having any hobbies, how are you ever going to evolve into the next and more improved, better version of yourself? Another key part of self-growth is forgiveness, forgiving yourself so that we can get rid of those feelings of guilt and shame and holding on all of this resentment about our past mistakes. Because who said that you had to be perfect, otherwise you're not good enough? If somebody has said that to you, they are clearly at war with themselves, I promise, because it's such an impossible standard that not a single person on this planet can live up to, including the person that said that to you. 
People love to show their perfection and you can't blame them for it. But also, it's none of your business how other people act, okay? So if you are in this headspace where you're comparing yourself to other people that, oh, they, they wouldn't have made that mistake, I failed this test, but my siblings didn't, doesn't matter. Your life isn't theirs. You're not the same person as them. You're literally just sabotaging yourself by comparing yourself to them. Your mistakes are all things to be proud of. Because think about it, if you look back at your past and by past, it could literally be yesterday, last week or 10 years ago and you cringe, I want you to pat yourself on the back right now. No, I mean it. Pat yourself on the back right now. I'm waiting. Because if you look back on the past and you cringe at what you used to do or think or feel, then congratulations because it means you are no longer that person and that you have grown. You have evolved. Wow, like honestly, wow. Is that not just something to be celebrated? And this is why mistakes are so powerful because you made it, you realized it was wrong and then it cringed you out enough to ensure that you wouldn't do it again, right? And even if you did repeat the same mistake, hell, you needed to. It's like what I said before about the universe giving you the same lessons repeatedly until the lesson sinks in to the point where you would never walk down the wrong path for you ever again. Feeling guilt and shame does nothing but ruin your life. Because I speak about vibrational energy a lot and if you Google a vibrational energy chart, guilt and shame are the lowest vibrations that you can exist at. Because the vibration underneath both of those feelings is death, right? So you are living in such a stagnant and low point of your life by carrying around these feelings of guilt and shame. What's the point? Why not look at your past mistakes introspectively use it to your advantage be like oh I've grown because I feel embarrassed about the fact that I did that but it also links back to loving the ugly parts of yourself I've done so many things in my life that I'm embarrassed of guys I whenever I get a snapchat memory flashback I literally got one today it was of me in the club at university I was like oh who is she like I literally don't recognize myself sometimes the way that I was just carrying myself or these flashbacks I get to the mindsets I used to have and the confidence and my decision making cringes me out but I'm so proud of that because I'm like okay yes I don't really associate myself with her anymore I would never make those decisions but she needed to be at that point in her life to get to where I am now you need to respect the fact that you would be nowhere You would not be where you are right now if it weren't for that past version of yourself making those mistakes because that inevitably led to the point in your life that you are at right now. Anything that you are proud of for yourself right now, any strengths you have right now are a result of all of the mistakes you've made in the past. Think about that, see? And now I want you to love yourself for it. And speaking of mistakes, this links into my next point, which is a bit of a harsh one. And this is realizing when you are the problem. Self-love and self-growth comes with identifying your own toxic traits and taking responsibility to fix them. I don't talk about this too much because the people who watch my YouTube videos and my podcast already have that mindset. You guys already prioritize self-improvement within your life, so I know you're all capable of this. This is so important because you need to reach the level where you're so obsessed with yourself that you do the difficult thing, which hey, a lot of people can't do because it's uncomfortable, it's ugly, it makes you feel bad about yourself for a second, for sure. But you are so obsessed with yourself and where you're going in life that you embrace the discomfort and you're like, yo, I messed up there. I let that friend down. I shouldn't have done that. I messed up, I overreacted. Just you doing those things, like having those realizations is you doing a massive favor for the future version of yourself. Any single time I've, I've kind of had a friendship breakup, even if I'm the one who broke up with them and they really did me wrong, I always have a period of reflection afterwards where I'm like, okay, but what was my part in this? 
because you can't always blame the other person because at the end of the day like I said you can only ever control your own actions so I think you know sometimes it's I had the wrong mindset or I didn't have the right standards which led me into this bad friendship or sometimes it's hey maybe I did something to trigger them or maybe I messed up in these ways as well so since that person isn't in my life anymore and I can't control them or take back what they did maybe I can alter my decision making my mindset how I treat others to become a better friend myself to sum it up it links back to having an internal locus of control you need to blame yourself not the world because when you think about everything is unfair people screw me over I can't believe I had another toxic boyfriend or friend you are putting joy outside of yourself again Now, all of a sudden, all of your feelings, all of your emotions, your life experience depends on all of these external factors. Loss is a normal part of life. And you are going to use that to your advantage and think, how did I get myself into the situation? I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying that we can be a little bit more reflective to do our future selves a favor to ensure that every new experience we experience in life is a step up from the last one that we experienced. And lastly, as this season comes to an end, I want you to remember my last point, to act like the main character. For this point, from now in this season break, I want you to document every single day of your life because it is so interesting, I promise you. I see too many people openly admit that their life is boring just because they go to work, they run their errands, they study, they watch TV, and then they might go to sleep, wake up and repeat it again. No. That's false. You have such an interesting life. You know why? Because you have thoughts and you change your perceptions and your opinions on a daily basis and you learn lessons and you grow and you make mistakes. You have ideas about what you want to do, where you want to go, who you want to be. Document them. I used to have a video diary when I was a teenager at the end of every day before I went to sleep. I would make a little video. Um, I would put it in my Snapchat Myers only and I would talk about why I did that day. I was studying at the time, you know, what wins I had, how I'm feeling about crushes I have, um, how I've grown, how I want to improve the next day. Watching those back is like treasure and you don't realize it today in this present moment, in this phase of your life, but you don't know when your whole life is gonna do a whole U-turn and you're gonna have new friends and a new plot and a new environment in a new place. So document it now because you never know when the gift of your present moment is gonna be taken away from you and everything's gonna change. I actually now don't video diary, I journal for the same reason. It's like a little time capsule and you can track all of your growth. It enlightens you so much on how you change as a person. It visually shows you your growth, which gives you the resilience to continue because we forget these things. You will read a journal entry or a video of when you were a teenager and you'll be like, oh my God, I was suffering so much on that day, but now I'm fine. Like that's not even a big deal to me right now. But you wouldn't have remembered that otherwise if you didn't document it. And that's the end of season one of Self Obsessed. Oh my God, thank you so much, guys, for staying with me this long. I hope you love this podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts while I'm prepping for season two, all of the new episodes, the guests I'm gonna bring on. Feel free to DM me at Tamcore on Instagram because I love to read your messages so that I can really bring as much value as I can with every new episode that I bring out. In the meantime, stay tuned because all of my YouTube videos will be uploaded on this platform, on this podcast, um, so you guys can listen to it on the go. Um, I will see you in March for season two. Um, The announcement for the date of the season two launch will be on the podcast Instagram at selfobsessedpodcast, so stay tuned. In the meantime, if you need extra self-help, 
help <laughs> you can keep up with my main channel at Tamcore on YouTube and also my vlog channel at Tamcore Vlogs so you can see how I'm actually spending my time on this podcast season break and planning the new episodes. I also have bite-sized advice on my TikTok and my Instagram reels but I'm just wishing you guys the best time. I really hope you guys take the time to really implement any advice that's resonated with you in the last 10 episodes of this podcast. I'm so proud of you for taking the responsibility to take time out of your day to listen to self-help content rather than music. I know that's a difficult task but just look at you. Look at you growing. Look at you taking responsibility for the next version of yourself. I love that for you. I'm so proud of you. Remember you were so capable. You were the main character. I need you to act like it. I will see you soon. I'm gonna miss you. Bye.